Sipping on some rock tusks, 8 o'clock. In my Gucci coat tusks, 8 o'clock. This is... Eyes Up Fantasy. What's up, everybody? Welcome in. I am your host, Jorge Iniguez. And today, I am lucky enough to have a co-host by the name of... Woo-woo! What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Peru. Happy to be here. Let's get right to it, Jorge. And I want to dive into the breaking headlines this morning. The Niners have found a new home after getting kicked out of Santa Clara and will be playing in Arizona at State Farm Stadium. Any thoughts to that? Jesus, Jorge, it's, it's hard to say. You know, the 49ers' plans have been plunged into chaos after Santa Clara, you know, in California County, banned all contact sports for three weeks amid the coronavirus pandemic. Santa Clara County, home of the 49ers and Levi Stadium, issued an enhanced COVID-19 guidelines for professional, collegiate, and youth sports on Saturday. The uh, stringent new social distancing measures have left the 49ers in limbo with Kyle Shanahan's side due to host back-to-back games behind closed doors versus the Bills on December 7th and the Washington football team on December 13th. I think this is going to benefit the Niners in the long run because if you look a little deeper into the schedule, I believe it's week 16, we will be facing Arizona on the quote-unquote road, but with having two extra games in that stadium, I feel like the Niners are going to make it their new home for the time being. I definitely feel like it's going to be like when, when you go to someone's house and you take off your shoes, kick up the remote, and you make it your own home, Jorge. I'm excited to see what the Niners do in their new, quote-unquote, home stadium. And speaking of the Niners, they just came off a win and ended their horrific three-game skid. And, hey, we took down the first-place L.A. Rams. This game, with the final score of 23-20, to Robbie Gold kicking a game winner as time expired. The Niners, gang, gang, we're back, baby. Yes, sir. Even with all the injuries and distractions and COVID-19-related setbacks, the San Francisco 49ers are very much still in the race to secure one of the seven NFC playoff berths. And I'll say it again, there's no other team in the NFL that's doing the most with the least. The 49ers, I believe, lead the NFL in players in IR with 25 players on injury reserve. The Niners ended their three-game losing streak with an emotional 23-20 win over their NFC West division rivals, the Los Angeles Rams. The San Francisco has played the majority of the season without several of its top players, including Nick Bosa, George Kittle, veteran cornerback Richard Sherman, star quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo, Debo Samuel, D. Ford, and Raheem Moser, to name a few. Now, with the 49ers unsure of where they will play their home games for the rest of the 2020 season, Arizona, they sit just a game out of a spot in the postseason. Their chances depend on what happens at quarterback. Garoppolo has been out since week seven's loss to the Seattle Seahawks and is eligible to be activated off the IR this week. George Kittle also has an outside chance to return over the coming weeks, while Brandon Ayuk and DJ Jones should be ready for the upcoming Monday night football game against the Buffalo Bills. Hey, we're going to need all the help because – I want to just start off with the game on the quarterback play. And both quarterbacks were not their best. Nick Mullins, he's been getting a lot of reps, first-team reps. He's been getting a lot of games in. And I thought he was a lot better what he's been performing. As of yesterday, he was 24 for 35 with 68% completion rate for a total of 252 yards, no touchdowns, and one interception. Honestly, with Debo Samuel back, he did all he could do and he kept feeding him the ball, which helped in the long run. But he did not distribute the ball enough where he was able to complete more passes and get eventually one touchdown. On the flip side, Jared Goff, he was 19 for 31, held to 61% completion rate, 
for a total of 198 yards, no touchdowns, and two interceptions. It was definitely a, a tough game to watch, but I'm glad we pulled off the W. As you said, Nick Mullins had a rather lackluster game. And in terms of fantasy football, Nick Mullins finished his night up with 8.8 fantasy football points. I would have I never started him in fantasy football. Never. Going against, going against Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald? I don't blame you. I wouldn't either. Switching gears, we're going to be talking about the running backs right now as Raheem Moser was also finally activated from the IR. Respectively, he was able to get 16 rushing attempts for 43 yards and one touchdown, his longest run of the day being a 10-yard rushing touchdown. Jeff Wilson was also activated in the IR, and man, I am loving that the Niners players are finally getting healthy. He rushed for 12 times, 43 yards, also his longest run of the day for 10 yards. For, for the first games back, I was very happy with what I saw. You know, it's not easy to just switch gears and come back 100% and get those 100-yard games. So they did all they could. Raheem Mozart, fortunately, he was able to be productive and get that touchdown, as I just mentioned, and it helped a lot in the first half. On the flip side, Mario, what do you have for the running backs for the L.A. Rams? Thanks for that, Jorge. On the flip side, for the L.A. Rams, I have to mention Cam Akers, who had his best game of the season thus far. The rookie uh, capped off his now with nine carries for 84 yards, averaging 9.3 yards per carry and one touchdown. I believe his first touchdown of the season. Also, Joe Henderson for 10 carries, 19 yards. Jared Goff also had five uh, rush attempts for 11 yards. And not to mention Bobby Trees, a.k.a. Robert Woods, one rush attempt for eight yards. Uh, while we're on the subject, Jorge, I wanted to get your input. Do you, at the time, got the notion that Sean McVay was trying to emulate or rather copy Kyle Shanahan's type of offense with the three running backs and the wide receiver rushing attempts? No, I don't think he was copying it because I remember from the jump, Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan, they have a real similar offensive system where they love to prioritize the running game. And then once the running game starts working, that's when the play action comes around and they'll kill you in the play action because with those speedsters on the edges with Robert Woods, or on the flip side, Debo Samuel, if you get caught on the play action and they go long ball, it's a touchdown automatically. So I believe Sean McVay and Shanahan, they have very similar playbooks. And it's just which coach is able to win the time of possession. That's really what it came down to, I believe. All too true. Switching gears, the long-awaited return of Debo Samuel definitely uh, injected some life into the much-needed 49ers offense. Debo Samuel had a terrific game, capping off his afternoon with 11 receptions, 133 yards, averaging 12.1 yards per reception. Following out there, Ms. Kendrick Bourne with three receptions for 34 yards. Richie James for a lackluster one reception for 29 yards. Kyle Juice check also the Juice, two receptions for 24 yards. Jordan Reed, two receptions for 18 yards. And Jarek, even the Jet McKinnon got it on the phone with two receptions for 11 yards. I don't think Jared McKinnon should be on a roster next year. I'm sorry. Jarek McKinnon, we gave you all the chances you could ever possibly ask for. And we paid you way more than we should have. And unfortunately, it just didn't unfold, man. Sometimes business just doesn't work out itself. And I think it's time to go, Jarek. You won't get no argument from me, Jorge. I wholeheartedly agree. Jack McKinnon, you've had three chances. Uh, two out of those three years, injuries have occurred to you. Devastating injuries, unfortunate injuries. However, this is a business. It's not personal. We've given you chances. It wasn't the spark we needed. We saw glimpses of it, but nowhere near the level when you were in Minnesota. And we wish you the best, Jed. Thank you for your services, and uh, hopefully a team picks you up in the near future. 
he'll definitely find a job, especially as a, a special team player. He's a good returner. But, yeah, man, as a bell cow runner, I'm sorry, Jet. We have a lot more better talent in our current roster. Switching sides, however, sticking with the wide receivers for L.A., Robert Woods, he had seven receptions for 80 yards, no touchdowns. And Cooper Cup, he had two receptions for 41 yards. Boy, was I excited that the L.A. Rams receivers did not get what they usually get because our defense was back. I also was thrilled to see that the NFL's leading wide receiver doing terms of receptions. Uh, was put a halt to it, considering that last Monday night when they went against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they both went over 100 yards, if I remember correctly, right? Yes, they, they tore that defense apart. The long-awaited return of our veteran cornerback, Richard Sherman, definitely injected some much-needed life and spark into our uh, defense that we've been logging for for a while. Richard Sherman imposed his return with six tackles, one assist tackle, also one interception in classic Richard Sherman fashion. Talk about making an impact when you come back. Following closely was... Linebacker Dre Greenlaw with five tackles, one assist. Our star uh, linebacker, Fred Warner, and I call him a star because that's what he is, a star. Come at me if you feel differently. Four tackles and two assists. And J-Dub also, Jimmy Ward, we've been missing you. <laughs> he finally showed up to the game. Four tackles, one assist, and I believe one forced fumble, if yes. I remember correctly, right? It was a forced fumble uh, as Jared Goff was trying to get away from the pocket, and he caught him at the right time. I was very excited to see that. However... The biggest defensive player of the game, Javon Kinlaw. Kinlaw. He's, he's doing all he can to take that monkey off his back. And I think yesterday's game was definitely a foot in the right direction as he was able to pick off golf and take one to the his house. Yes, definitely, Jorge. It reminded me a lot of Nick Bosa a year ago against the Carolina game when he, inter when he intercepted uh, Kyle Allen, I believe it was. And he almost returned it for a pick six. Kinlaw, however, was able to do this and returned it for a pick six. I was happy to see the rookie finally step up and uh, rather yet prove to the rest of the NFL world because I believe us Niner fans are firm believers in Javon Kinlaw. He leads the NFL amongst most pressures to quarterbacks by a rookie. And I want our listeners and our fans and you, Jorge, to bear in mind, this is without the main supporting cast. This is without Nick Bosa. This is without D Ford. This is just Armstead and Kinlaw together doing what they do best. So I'm excited to see what Kinlaw develops and what he has to the table next season when Nick Bosa comes back. I, I agree with you there, but Javon Kinlaw has been more than impressive. For the last two weeks, he has, he's has he gotten his first career sack. Now he has his first career interception, first career touchdown. That's what you want out of a first-round pick. You want production. As soon as they get plugged in into the starting lineup, Javon Kinlaw has not disappointed. The South Carolina boys, man, Debo Samuel, I have not given him enough credit right now. This dude single-handedly carried our offense yesterday and was finally able to bring back the Yak Bros. Unfortunately, two out of three of the members of the Yak Bros are currently injured. But, hey, Debo Samuel has picked up the slack as he had 88 yards after contact. And some of those tackles, he was already wrapped up, and he was still able to bulldoze over them and shake it off for a long run. It was very excited to watch. Definitely, definitely missed him. You know who him is? Debo. Who? Debo. That's what, who. What you got, my 40, Craig? <laughs> I also wanted to add to our defense. It was good to see Jason Fred also step up, get some pressure off his back with the return of Richard Sherman, uh, capping off his night with four tackles and one assist tackle. But also, more importantly than that, Sherman and Barrett, with one week of playing together, we've, we've been longing to see that. They're already earning their nicknames amongst internet uh, sports groups and internet social media. 
uh, uh, people are nicknaming them the Dread Zone. You can't shed enough light on the defense because they held the L.A. Rams' explosive offense to just three points in the first half, and that was very impressive to watch. All the props to Robert Sala. I'm hearing a lot of rumors that a lot of NFL teams, they're already starting to keep tabs on Robert Salas. He's a head coaching caliber uh, coach. He, right now, he's our defensive coordinator. Last year, he, he did phenomenal. He took us to the freaking Super Bowl as the number one rated defense this year with, as Mario mentioned at the top of the show, with 25 players on injury reserve. Yes, some of them are on offense. However, most of them are on defense. He is still producing a top five NFL defense. And if you watch Richard Sherman's post-game interview yesterday, he said the exact same words. Robert Saylor, he doesn't he doesn't get enough credit. He is the reason why we are five and six right now, and we're doing all we can to win games. As I mentioned in the other show, there was times when I felt like Robert Sala was definitely out coaching Kasha and in a few games. A great example would have been the New Orleans Saints game when the defense kept making turnovers. And the 49ers had no answers for the Saints, unfortunately. But it seems like Nick Mullins is every week, he's getting more and more comfortable, sleeping more into his bag. And Nick Mullins has to realize, we don't need you to make the big plays. We don't need you to, like, sling it down. The we just need you to manage us to victory, rely on the ground-and-pound running game. Defense will step up and get turnovers for you. All you need to do, Nick Mullins, is just manage us to victory. Pretty much be a game manager like Alex Smith back in the day. Yeah. All I got to do is make a few throws here and there, short short throws, inside routes, outside routes, you know, dink and dack, the wheel routes, and then rely – you got three beasts back there. You got Mostert, you got Wilson, you got Tico, and you got McKinnon also. And the juice, you got five backs, man. Yeah, man. I, I believe our offense will improve, especially after watching some tape. Hey, you got to give the L.A. Rams defense some credit. We did not talk about Jalen Ramsey. He shadowed whoever he was covering all game because – we did not hear his name once yesterday. At least I didn't. And then also Aaron Donald, he was getting double, triple team. But, hey, when Aaron Donald gets loose, that guy is lethal. He's recognized already as the best defensive player in the NFL. He has won NFL Defensive Player of the Year before. And the Niners did a phenomenal job. We're back in the hunt with a strong presence at 5-6. and six. We're literally just one game back from the Arizona Cardinals. I want to thank Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots for knocking down the Arizona Cardinals. That was super critical for the hunt because now we're definitely in reach and we will be facing the Cardinals. Yesterday, yep. while I was looking on the internet, I saw a few Seattle fans uh, cheering on the 49ers because it benefited them for us to knock down the LA Rams to give the Seattle Seahawks the sole number one seed in the NFC West. You've heard it before, but I'm going to repeat it for our listeners at home. The conference runs through the West. Always has been, always will be. The toughest division there is. This is... Fantasy. Moving on to our next segment, Jorge, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers against the Kansas City Chiefs. The long-awaited rematch took place this past Sunday afternoon. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Kansas City Chiefs met in a game featuring two of the NFL's six highest-scoring teams on Sunday at Raymond James Stadium. But it takes two teams to make a shootout, and the Buccaneers simply waited too long to return fire. Despite a second-half rally, the Buccaneers fell 27-24 in a game that featured a combined 960 yards of offense between the two teams. Instead, the game became more like target practice for Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes, NFL's poster boy. At least during, the, during a dizzying first quarter, and in particular, he was looking to one very fast target in wide receiver Tyreek Hill. 
Hill scored a touchdown on 75 of 44 yards in the first quarter, and by the end of the opening period, he had already piled up 203 receiving yards. At the same time, Tom Brady and Tampa Bay's offense had produced just 44 yards on the first down. With no third down conversions in four tries, the Bucks finished three of nine on third downs, which was a big factor in the team falling behind early. Well, first things first, for all the NFL fans who are unaware of where the Super Bowl is being hosted this year, it's in Tampa Bay. And coming into the season, the heavy favorites have been the Kansas City Chiefs to repeat their Super Bowl run from last year to this year. And also with Tom Brady joining the Tampa Bay Bucks and adding all the weapons you could add. It's just ridiculous how many weapons they have in Tampa Bay. They were actually a heavy favorite. So we could potentially see this very exact game in the Super Bowl and didn't live up to its hype because Kansas City took a very early lead. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they're not really good at coming back from games. Once they start trailing in games, that's that's when Tom Brady has to make those long, arrogant throws. And we all know that Tom Brady doesn't have that strong arm anymore. Tom Brady's game is best in the short passing game where he's able to throw those quick slant throws and make his wide receivers work. Also, the Kansas City Chiefs, their identity is switching on offense. If we all know... Early in the season, Andy Reid was playing a very balanced game where he would run the ball, throw the ball, run the ball, throw the ball. Now it's just seeing like all the weight is going onto Patrick Mahomes' shoulders. And why wouldn't you throw all the way to Mahomes' shoulders? This guy is incredible. He threw for 462 yards yesterday. Three touchdowns, no interceptions. I've been discussing it with a friend of mine, Moises Lopez, a.k.a. Mighty. He was wanting Russell Wilson to win MVP this year, but I told him, don't forget about Patrick Mahomes. Jorge, also, I wanted to add that Mahomes outplayed Tom Brady to win the fourth quarter matchup between the MVPs, completing 37 of 49 passes and holding the ball for more than 10 minutes without scoring on Kansas City's last two possessions to put the game away. Tyreek Hill benefited from Sammy Watkins' return to the Chiefs lineup after being sidelined since week five with a hamstring injury and got the best of a matchup with Bucks cornerback Carlton Davis, who often had no help trying to contain the speedy receiver. As I mentioned earlier before, Tyreek Hill finished his night with two, uh, seven catches for 203 yards and two touchdowns in the first quarter. Ridiculous. Joining, We're talking about the first quarter right here. Joining Quadri Ismail, 210 in the third quarter on December 12, 1999, as well as Lee Evans with 205 in the first quarter on November 19, 2006. You know, a little bit of history lesson for you youngins out there. Those three are the only NFL receivers since 1980 to have 200 yards worth of receptions in a single quarter. And if Mahomes wanted to, he could have had another 400 yards to Tyreek Hill because, man, Tyreek Hill was not being contained by that defense. And the Tampa Bay defense is fast. They have fast linebackers, fast quarterbacks, fast safeties, and Tyreek Hill is just that much better. Yes, sir. On the other side of the ball, Tom Brady was 27 of 41 for 345 yards, three touchdowns and a pair of second half interceptions falling two to two against Mahomes, who built an early 17 nothing lead and also had the Chiefs up by 17 entering the fourth quarter. The Bucs, who are now seven and five, made it close with Brady throwing touchdown passes of 31 and seven yards to my fantasy football wide receiver, Mike Evans, and the latter trimming this team's deficit to 27-24 with four minutes and 10 seconds remaining in the fourth quarter. Yes, Mike Evans definitely had a good game, but for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense, I would have to say Rojo, Ronald Jones, 
That guy had a highlight real play as he juked over a defender and scored a touchdown on the reception and also was able to rush for 66 yards on just nine attempts. I was getting a lot of this to, towards Rojo early in the season just because I believe Leonard Fournette, he's a much more talented back. However, he hasn't even produced, man. Where have you been all season, Fournette? I've expected you to have 100 yards rushing every game, especially after you tape that $100 bill on your back. Hey, it seems like a joke to me now. <laughs> he doesn't look too good now. That's aged pretty badly. I also have been wondering where the productivity has gone for Leonard Fournette as well as uh, Ronald Jones, who had a pretty good game this past, this past week. But we've been longing and looking for that all season long. On the other side of the ball, in terms of the Chiefs, Another letdown performance was Clyde Edwards-Elaire, who uh, had an afternoon of 11 carries for 37 yards. Also, Le'Veon Bell, five carries for 22 yards. That, that's why I'm saying, man, uh, Andy Reid, uh, he's giving his running backs a, little, a couple of chances, not a lot of chances, but even when they get the ball, they're not producing, man. What's going on? Uh, I just think uh, Clyde Edwards-Elaire is still rookie. He's getting his feet wet. Uh, he's an often small guy, but there are times in the end zone where I feel, Jorge, you're in the red zone, you're inside the five, give Clyde his chance. But instead of giving Clyde a chance, I'd rather, I think, I'm not sure if it's Arians or if it's, uh, excuse me, Andy Reid or if it's Mahomes, but they want to make Mahomes a star. And when this should be a running play, I feel like they just give it to Mahomes or it's a fake handoff or an end around. The point is, is nine out of ten times Mahomes is throwing the football yeah, man, and, hey, you have to give him credit because he is able to produce. He will not disappoint you. At the end of Patrick Mahomes' career, he's going to be the leader in fourth-quarter comebacks because he has that clutch gene that you are looking for in every type of quarterback. If Tom Brady has been looking for a guy to pass the baton to, I have to say without argument, it is definitely Patrick Mahomes. And bear in mind, ladies and gentlemen, this is Mahomes' fourth year, I believe. The first year he spent it sitting behind Alex Smith. Second year, he got a first season, full season as a starter, which he fell a little bit short. Third year, I know we don't want to remember this, but... Don't, don't, don't do it. Let's move on. And his fourth year right now, as we're seeing right now, he is balling out of control. And honestly, I see no stop to it. What pisses me off is that I vividly remember in my head when I watched Patrick Mahomes sit with John Gruden in his little QB uh, quarterback show that he had on ESPN. Yeah. And I actually thought this guy ha had that it factor because in college he was balling out. He's a dual threat quarterback, but more of a pocket passer. His athleticism is ridiculous. Let's not forget his arm. He has the best arm in the NFL and he does not turn the ball over. He rarely turns the ball over. That's why the Buccaneers went down yesterday. Tom Brady, unfortunately, threw two picks again in this game. It's like 50-50. He throws just as many touchdowns as he is throwing interceptions this season. Yes, sir. Very true. When Mahomes has the ball, there's never a doubt in my mind he will throw an interception. It's very rare for Mahomes. Not only that, but I feel like when Mahomes has the ball in his hands, he's like leading a cadence and everyone's like alert. He literally dictates the offense, dictates the defense, whether it be with his eyes, with his body movement, or with his legs. But there's never, not for a single second, an ounce of doubt that this guy's going to convert on fourth down or third down or complete that uh, bomb across the field, yeah. whether it be to Kelsey or Cheetah or Clyde or Sammy Watkins or Hardman or whoever else you want to name off that track team. <laughs>
just that you brought up uh, Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey in the same sentence, they are actually the number one and two leading receivers in yards heading into week 13. That is very impressive. Also, I was shocked after Tom Brady took the loss. I was already saying it. He's not going to shake hands. He's going to be salty. But, man, did that, that guy, he, he swallowed that pill and walked up to Mahomes, looked at him in the eyes and said, good game, sport. <laughs> well, not to compare the two or anything, but Michael Jordan was never going to walk away from a handshake without Kobe after a game, you know. Jordan knew from the get-go, this guy's the next one. How do you think Nick Foles and Jerry Goffield, though? Like, they're, they're NFL-caliber quarterbacks who have actually both been in the Super Bowl. Why can't he pay respect to these people? That's a very good question, Jorge. I feel like Tom Brady feels maybe – I would say Tom Brady's earned throughout the years with his victories and rings. He's earned a sort of cockiness. He's rightfully earned it. He may have a case of you didn't beat me, I beat myself when he throws wow. those interceptions, especially in the L.A. Rams game when he throws interceptions. I feel like that's how Brady feels. It was a fluky game. He didn't really beat me. I just – I messed up. I did some bad reads, and that's why he didn't shake his hands. But more importantly, I feel like the fans in the media don't really care because, come on, Nick Foles and Jared Goff, no discredit to those guys, but they're not exactly, like, up there in terms of quarterback tiers. Now, Mahomes is a different story, as we all have Mahomes as NFL's next poster boy and the guy taking the baton from Brady once Brady decides to hang up the cleats for good. I knew for certain Brady was not going to diss Mahomes because I'm sure Brady knows Mahomes has next. This is Boys Fantasy. So now we're going to switch gears to third gear and sticking to the subject, as I just mentioned, John Gruden. How about we talk about his current NFL team, Las Vegas Raiders. They were taken down by the Atlanta Falcons on the road after being favorite in this one, losing 43-6. to six. Boy, talk about an ass whooping. Yes, it was a horrible day for the Las Vegas Raiders. Losing in a blown out uh, loss, forty three to six, as you mentioned earlier. Derek Carr had a okay game, I guess. Uh, finishing off his night for thirty four attempts for twenty two completions, two hundred and fifteen yards, no touchdowns, one interception. I believe at one point Nathan Peterman also threw the rock. I think uh, five attempts for three completions for twenty five yards. That that's how bad it was yesterday. They the Raiders actually threw in Nathan Peterman. Matty Ice, on the other hand. Wait, wait, wait. Let, let the fans know how bad Nathan Peterman is. This is a guy who at one time threw six interceptions in the NFL game. Not one, not two, not three, not four, not five. Six interceptions in the NFL game when he was playing with the Buffalo Bills. Look it up on YouTube. He was watching Jameis Winston play, and he probably said, hold my beer. And he wanted to outplay Jameis Winston, probably. I guess. For sure, for sure. But <laughs> moving back to the Raiders, man. Dude, Josh Jacobs, he was healthy. Carr, he was healthy. The wide receiver core, they were healthy. Please, Peru, tell me what went wrong. Well, Las Vegas looked very much like a pretender to the NFC, AFC playoff race with its second straight loss against a listless mistake field performance against an Atlanta team that's playing out, out the season under an interim coach and virtually no defense. The Falcons, who are 4-7, and seven, forced five turnovers, four of them by Carr, and finished with their biggest win since 56-14 route of Tampa Bay in 2014. 
Uh, the guys needed a little bit of what I call push in the head, said Coach Raheem Morris, who improved to 4-2 and two since taking over over the fire Dan Quinn. I, be- I believe he's going to take over the head coaching duty for sure. Give all the credit to Raheem Morris to turn the Atlanta Falcons around within the same season that they were losing game in and week in and week out. Very true, Jorge. Very true. The Raiders took their worst loss of John Gruden's most recent three seasons as coach. I apologize to the Raider Nation and really compliment the Falcons, Gruden said. They played a hell of a football game, and we did not. Carr had a miserable day fumbling the ball away three times in addition to delivering the pick that Jones returned for his fifth career touchdown. Nathan Peterman finished out the game at quarterback while Carr watched from the bench, a pained look in his face. When you turn the ball over like that, you're not going to win any games, Carr said. It's a gut punch for sure. In addition to the season-high turnovers, the Raiders were flagged 11 times for 141 yards. Of that, 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 that's the Raiders I've known. That's yeah. the Raiders. Classic Raiders. But also, Jorge, it goes back to coaching, discipline. You know, those type of uh, penalties will kill you, hurt you for sure in a game. And let's be honest, did you have the Falcons winning this game, Jorge? Absolutely not, especially after Julio Jones was ruled out. And also, Todd Gurley, their two best offensive weapons were ruled out for this game. I thought it was going to be a cakewalk for the Raiders. They have fire under their asses after taking that L to the Chiefs. They don't want to lose track in the playoff race. And boy, any given Sunday, right? Yes, sir. I wholeheartedly agree once again. But what upsets me the most is that, like I said, they were second in the AFC West. You had all the chips on your side. It was an easy alley-oop. All you had to do was grab the ball and slam Duncan inside for a victory. No Julio Jones, no Todd Gurley, an interim head coach. You have Derek Carr, your star quarterback. You have your starting running back, Josh Jacobs, who you only gave the ball to seven times, which I and think is a huge mistake. It is, because if you watched in one of the plays, he trucked the heck out of one of Atlanta Falcons defenders. Did, were you able to catch that play? Yes, sir, I did. Jacobs has 99 overall on Madden and trucking after that play. <laughs> I believe it, man. Well, like I said, it goes back to coaching, and I'm not sure, Gruden, you have a workhorse, Belkel and Josh Jacobs. I feel bad for the fantasy owners who own Josh Jacobs. You want to give the ball to the kid seven times? It's not like he's wary. He has fresh legs. Give him the ball. It's not like he's going against a defensive brick wall. That is the Atlanta Falcons defensive line. I don't understand what Gruden's thinking. He's trying to turn Carr into a slinger like I'm a home type of character. Exactly. Him for over 30 times. Stop it. Stop. It's not going to work out. And like you said earlier, this is the classic Raiders that I know. Gambling on a fourth and three at the Raiders four, Ryan double pumped to buy just enough time to find Calvin Ridley alone in the back end zone with two minutes and 17 seconds left in a tedious first half that took nearly two hours to complete. Matt Ryan, who was 22 of 39 for 185 yards, added another four-yard touchdown pass late in the third quarter. This one to Brandon Powell. Ido Smith tackled on an eight-yard touchdown run after another car turnover. This one when Steven Means shoved left tackle Colton Miller into his own quarterback, causing the ball to slip out of Carr's hand. Classic sloppy Raiders. Just before his arms went forward with a throw. The defense just put us in a lot of good positions, said Matt Ryan. That's the story of the day. Nothing to defend the Las Vegas Raiders. I just don't understand. I mean, the Chargers, who can't buy a W, they have a star quarterback, but unfortunately the kid has no offensive line. And they've had a pretty tough schedule, so they're 2-6, two and, two and six, I believe. The Broncos, who lost every single quarterback to COVID-19, you have your full complemented team, star tight end Darren Waller, your entire defense there, you know, Jonathan Abrams, Max Crosby. You have Josh Jacobs. You have Derek Carr, who's healthy. You have you wasted a lot of money in the offensive line. 
And for you to finish the game with two field goals, I'm not a Raider fan, but if I'm a Raider fan, it's, it's, it's insulting, it's exhausting, it's berating. And I just don't understand, like, how the Raiders organization is just looking like straight-up clowns for paying, paying Gruden all that money. Gruden is definitely looking out of touch. I see no creativity in the play calling. I see no difference. He just kind of does the same play over and over again. I'm at a loss for words. I don't know. I feel for Raider Nation. And what's funny is when you talk to people who are against 49ers, typically Raider fans, they feel as if their only joy is to saying that we suck or we have a bad season. You know, they can't focus on their records or their W's, you know. And when you think about it, the Niners are in a better division, the toughest division. And I believe we're tied for third. And the Raiders, even with everything going in their favor, a full team, Broncos, no quarterbacks, Chargers, no quarterbacks. All you have to do is stay in the, stay in the league with Mahomes for a close second. And that's not even enough for you to do it. You fumble it away. Back-to-back losses. I don't know, Raider Nation. I don't know what to tell y'all. On the positive side, if you look ahead for week 13, the Raiders, they'll be facing the winless New York Jets, who have now dropped to 0 and 11 and are almost a guarantee to get the first overall pick in the 2021 NFL draft. So for the Raiders, they're going on the road at 6 and 5. And hey, if you guys lose to the Jets, just retire, man. Don't even play the rest of the games for the NFL, man. How much do you want to bet the Raiders spoiled the Jets' perfect season? Right here on the air, Jorge. How much do you want to bet? The perfect winless season? The quote-unquote perfect season of the Jets. The Raiders will Raider, man. And if anyone could do it, I believe it's John Gruden and the Raiders, man. Yeah, we'll, we'll see about that. And also on the flip side for the Atlanta Falcons, hey, congrats. They just got their fourth win of the season with Raheem Morris as an interim head coach. He's now at uh, four and two overall for the season. And for the Falcons, they're at four and seven, and they'll be heading into New Orleans, who are ironically the leaders in the NFC, standing at nine and two. So for the for the Raiders, you guys, it's a must win, easy matchup. For Atlanta, it's going to be an entertaining game. It's in a divisional game. It's the first place in the NFC conference. And I, if Julio and Todd Gurley could come back this week. I believe the ball could keep rolling and they could easily knock out the Saints. They, catch, they could catch him slipping, just how they caught the Raiders slipping. I also wanted to add, not to draw any comparison to them, but I remember in the, in the beginning of the draft, a lot of 49er fans were bashing the Niners organization for passing on wide receivers like Henry Ruggs, CeeDee Lamb, Jerry Judy. But I wanted to mostly point out, Henry Ruggs was supposed to be a breakout star, be explosive, be the fill-in for what would have been Antonio Brown for the Raiders' offense. But I haven't seen the spark that Ruggs was supposed to bring to the table. And you could also say that Brandon Ayuk, being a lower pick, has had a way better season, rookie season, than Henry Ruggs. I just want to point out for all the Niners haters and doubters that were doubting Ayuk and bashing the pick over someone like Ruggs. Yeah, man. Hey, speed kills. And apparently it's killing the Raiders because Henry Ruggs has not been that star that John Gruden – Mike Mayock, they were hoping to be. There was a lot more talent at wide receiver when their pick was up. And they I, I ultimately they reach. They reach for Henry Ruggs because if it's not the coaching, it's the player. It's one or the other. And it's not working out so far. I hope for his sophomore season he could start off a lot better or at least finish the season strong uh, strong. Because right now he's looking like a big, big bust for a first round talent. 
definitely Jorge over his career, over Jorge Ruggs' short career, he's had 17 receptions for 312 yards, averaging 18 yards in his whole career, and just a single touchdown. And what about Brandon Mayup? Let the fans know how our first-round pick is doing for the beloved San Francisco 49ers, who, mind you, he's been injured for a long time uh, this season. There's been a lot of weeks where he wasn't able to play, but when he is on the field, please let me know, Peru. Brandon Ayuk has played uh, eight games, 35 receptions for 446 yards and three touchdowns in terms of his career, in terms of receiving, in terms of rushing. Five rush attempts for 61 yards and two rushing touchdowns. My man has five touchdowns altogether, three receiving, two rushing. So it's fair to say that Ayuk has played in a lot less games than Henry Ruggs, but has produced more than double amount of touchdowns, double amount of, of yards, and he's not even at his full potential right now. And he hasn't even played with his Yak Bros as they've been injured plod all season. So once the Yak Bros are back, expect everybody to get yards after the catch. I and see with- nothing but backs. Yeah, yeah. This is Eyes Up Fantasy. 